if the last couple of months uh, with us staying at home have taught us anything. It's it's that that we're using technology as an enabler to to do what we otherwise couldn't be doing. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Loams, and it's great to have you join us again this week. On today's show, we're going big picture, looking at the macro trends in the sports technology industry, including the rise of the quantified self, smart stadiums as precursors to smart cities, the convergence of wearables and video analytics, and much, much more. Guiding us through this dive into the future is Dr. Martin Schlegel, principal at Chemnera, a leading sports technology global advisory firm. Martin's got more than 20 years' experience in sports and recreation, construction and plastic specialty chemicals industry in the areas of product development, process engineering, and research and development commercialization. Martin is a member of the editorial board of the Journal of Sports Technology and guest lecturer at RMIT University in the field of sports management, innovation, and surfacing technology. He also sits on the advisory board of the International Sports Technology Association and the Australian Sports Technology Network. Before we get into that chat with Martin, I'd be remiss if it didn't let you know about some of the upcoming episodes we've got over the next few weeks. Featured guests include Tim Tobito from the NFL on their recent virtual NFL draft and mixed reality Super Bowl presentation. Dr. Leda Mintis, chairwoman at Betworks, on how the sports betting industry is dealing with the shutdown in global sports and, of course, what technology can do to help. We've also got Mike Downey from Microsoft on the recently announced NBA partnership and diving a bit into the, what they're doing in esports. And finally, an interview I'm personally very excited for is with David Michael, the former CTO of the XFL, looking at tech innovations from the Startup Football League. Uh, and they were doing some really cool stuff before the untimely end. So looking forward to that chat with David. If you want to be kept in form of all these upcoming episodes, then obviously subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, but you can also go on the website sportstechworldseries.com forward slash newsletter sign up there that's our weekly community update in addition to info on each week's sports tech feed podcast episode you also receive highlights on top trending news uh, and a deep dive report research piece that you can really seek your teeth into so we don't want to be uh, spamming you too much it's it's really just a weekly update that you can get all the news get informed and do that in a really efficient way. So I'd highly recommend signing up for that newsletter. If you'd like to get in touch with me personally, I'd recommend LinkedIn. I'm the one and only Thomas Alomes, I think, out there. So Alomes, A-L-O-M-E-S. So feel free to connect with any guest feedback or suggestions. As always, you can look at sportstechfeed.com for show notes and some of our previous episodes. That's all from me for now. Here's Dr. Martin Schlegel on the quantified self and other macro trends in sports technology. Dr. Martin Schlegel, uh, Principal at Chemnira, welcome to Sports Tech Feed. Fantastic to have you on the show. Hello, Thomas. How are you? Glad to be with you. That's great. And uh, I, I know people are only going to be getting the audio of this, but I might try and include a screenshot when we're done. But you've, uh, you've got one of the customized um, backgrounds on this video call that we're doing with uh, what stadiums behind you there? Yeah, that's the uh, stadium at uh, UC Berkeley, uh, Cal. Uh, the Golden Bears, Go Bears, um, the school where, uh, where uh, part of my education took place, uh, executive education to be, to be exact. And uh, 
was fortunate enough that uh, some of those uh, classes that I took there uh, were not only limited to the classroom. We actually we actually were in the stadium, um, sort of like in in lecture rooms within the stadium precinct, and uh, so we could venture out and uh, and explore the stadium with no one in there. So we we definitely uh, maintained social distancing while we're in the huge stadium. <laughs> And, uh, and, and I mean, for context, this certainly wasn't um, any time recent that, that you were there. This is part of your long and, and storied career in sports technology and, and coming from a global point of view um, ha- and having that vantage. And that's certainly something you're going to dive into about how that's uh, giving you the, the privilege to be able to spot trends in the industry. For you, what have you seen over, whether it's the past few months, years, decades, um, in terms of uh, these macro trends, the, the, the big picture stuff? Um, in sports technology yeah so um, Thomas it was it was interesting like uh, if, you, if you go back and, and I'll start out from an Australian perspective um, obviously Australia is a very diversified uh, has a very diversified sporting background and about uh, uh, six seven years ago uh, the uh, federal uh, research institution and the Australian Sports Commission did sort of like a trend study on how sport is going to change in the next couple of decades. And they identified a number of trends, but what wasn't specified in there was how technology is actually going to change uh, the way we participate in sport, the way we consume sport, and, and more importantly, what we've seen over the last couple of years, how we actually quantify, quantify what we do as an individual, but also in teams. And I, I think... Sports technology from a human performance tracking perspective, that's on field, say, has has changed a lot in in that respect. And then off field, we're we're obviously seeing a lot of uh, trends from uh, sports media broadcasting and sports business that are driven by technology and and look if if the last couple of months or months was or however uh, with us staying at home have taught us anything it's it's that um that we're using technology as an enabler to to do what we otherwise couldn't be doing yeah yeah so you know, pick out a few key phrases there about the quantifying what we're doing and and something that's talked about as the quantified self in the way that we are measuring everything that we do. And, and obviously it's, it's um, at the extreme version for elite sports and sports performance, uh, but at a consumer level, it's definitely been an explosion um, of products, services, um, but also underpinning that is the expectation. People just expect to be able to track what they do. Um, I started with with products like uh, Garmin and, and Strava and in sports like that. But in terms of running and, and the basic GPS tracking, the basic stats, what are you, what are you seeing in that, in that extension of the quantified self from that, yeah, from so that starting point of, of basic GPS tracking? Yeah. So um, if we, if we start out, um, um, basic GPS tracking has been traditionally uh, if we if we go back, uh, been a way for elite athletes to track what they're doing. 
initially in training only and then when when governing sporting bodies uh, caught on and allowed and changed the rules for for these electronic uh, sensors to be worn in game it, it certainly it certainly uh, branched out but that's the one side of things uh, uh, one side of the equation we've seen but the other and, and you alluded to it on the consumer end of uh, the spectrum uh, I mean, what started out using the phone and having to carry the phone around with you and relying on the sensors uh, that are embedded in 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 a smartphone these days. Um, the next step, obviously, all these wrist-based uh, sensors or straps around the chest. And um, look, there's there's been a lot of and, and if you go the hype of of um, smart textiles and then uh, where where the adaptation didn't didn't catch up with the expectation um we're i think we're we're now saying that that people use an, a combination of things um from sensors that that they wear uh from data points that they capture um and what started out main meaning uh, just as a simple health measure just keeping track of your weight which is one of those stats or keeping track of your activity i see this now that that um consumers will actually use the data also to track their performance and their their ability to uh, achieve a goal that they have set. And not everyone will actually be a marathon runner at the end of it. And, and it can be as small as I want to do however many steps or I want to do however many exercises per day or, or beat my, my previous records and things like that. But that sort of like, keeping track that's i think at the heart of what would you describe as the quantified self yeah so it's just tracking the progress and and Mm. i think the next evolution of it and it's interesting looking at from an elite point of view and we'll kind of look at the trends in the elite and then how that filters down to consumers because you mentioned there as well smart textiles that i remember about four years ago seeing a spate of smart textile shirts that had inbuilt sensors sensors everything from heart rate monitors um, to uh, moisture wicking, all that kind of stuff that was meant to come in and it was you could wear it like a, a normal running shirt and it would take all this data and give you all this um, kind of information across all these different sensors. It was the next biggest thing and it just never took off. Um, and it remains to be seen whether that will have a resurgence and that'll come back. But uh, certainly wearables, if we're talking about that, in the quantified self has been so far restricted largely at a mass consumer level to wrist-based, as you said. So your classic um, Garmin or something goes on a bike, um, you can have those ones as well. They're kind of, they're a bit bigger, the, the computers that you have there. Um, Whoop is another um, quite successful one. Again, wrist-based. Um, Aura, who uh, have the rings, the smart rings, they just made, raised $28 million, $20 million, I think it was last month. So it's, it's all those kind of just co-opting existing um, objects, things that the people used to in that area, and then kind of feeding the data off that. That's the next, that's a, there's some long-winded setup to these questions, but that's basically coming from a similar space in technology where it was um, GPS tracking units were worn in the back of the jersey. They were units. They weren't the jersey themselves. They weren't the shirt themselves. They were generally um, straps, whatever else that is, something on the athlete that's physically there. Now we're saying that with the development of computer vision, 
and the ability for video analytics to really give incredibly rich data off athletes that that's something that even the wearable companies are moving into. For instance, the Catapult now has a video analytics solution. Two part question, and we'll kind of chunk it down. First part, is that a trend that you're seeing in elite sports um, in terms of the shift from wearables to video analytics? Um, And how far are we away from that being overtaking GPS basically or traditional wearables in elite sport? And I'll, I'll follow on the second part of that question is about what does that mean for consumers? Yeah, so um, it's an interesting point that you raised because um, when you when you talk about all of these athletes that we uh, or all of these sensors that we stick on the athletes, um, I, I think one of the criticism that I've seen is that the more the more preparation, the more time is required to kit out the athlete. Um, the more cumbersome the whole thing becomes. And then if the sensor actually impedes the way the athlete goes about doing the normal routine or their skill execution, then it's seen as something foreign. So stepping back, that's, I think, why there was such a big hype about um, smart shirts and, and smart apparel, because the idea was, well, you just throw over um, a jersey or a jumper or whatever, and that will do everything that you otherwise would have to strap on your ankle, on your wrist, on put between between your shoulder blades and things like that. So in, in essence, I, I'm saying that's where, where we want to get to. And, and to come to your question now, video would actually uh, yeah, fill that void because the idea would be we'll film someone do, during a skill execution on the field or or uh, in the gym or whatever. And out of that data, we get exactly whether posture, um, uh, the repetition and all of these kind of things are, are done in a, in a proper way. However, I, I see there's there's one one problem at the moment. And and yet I, I see that with with things that are occurring now in the lab. Um, in order to fully understand what the video um, signal is providing, I mean, traditionally you had to go to very, very high speed video uh, analysis to get that. So at the moment I see that we have sort of like a combination, we'll maybe put a sensor on the athlete and then align the video feed with the sensor data to sort of like make sense out of what we're seeing and what we're recording. It's almost like, and I always compare that and say, this is like closed caption on under a broadcast feed. Yeah. So you, mm. you get additional information from the data. Yeah. And my, my, my hunch here is that as we go along and as we, as we actually align sensor data, and this could be a variety of sensor data with video analytics, we'll get a better understanding of, of the full human movement activity and therefore then can feed the algorithms that are then required to actually analyze the video feed going forward. Yeah, and there's also been a lot talked about uh, about the computing power that's needed for um, computer vision to actually work so mm. you can do traditional video analysis where you just you film as you said an athlete doing a skill repetition 
uh, go away, translate that into, um, you know, mark that up, all that kind of stuff, go back to your computer, crunch that data. But really the latency in the sense of the time from when you capture that video to the time that it is functionally usable by a coach or an athlete um, needs to be you know, seconds, sub-seconds uh, to, to really do that. And, and the holy grail is obviously um, sub-second, sub sub-sub-sub-second latency where basically you can have uh, instantaneous feedback for the athlete. Uh, and there's developments that are happening more broadly outside of sports. Um, everyone likes to think that sports is, is the most cutting edge thing in the world. Hatch breaks to you, we're not necessarily, <laughs> we're not, we're doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, but a lot of stuff that's happening in super, uh, supercomputing and cloud computing is enabling that so that, that that data can be crunched quickly enough to to give that. And there's also things around bandwidth, there, there's follow-on things around the actual infrastructure, say it's in a stadium, uh, like the like the Golden Beds, like UC Berkeley, if you have things like 5G, you have the ability to um, really speed up that processing. So that's that's the where the big question mark I think is for that. Yeah, I think and, that, and and I think you raised a, an interesting point because what I see, what we need in order for that to quickly accelerate, is actually some form of standard, because. I mean, the, the problem right now is, and, and just take the simple uh, timestamp issue, yeah? So how are we recording time and how do we align actually what we measure in two disparate systems, let's say sensor-based and video-based? How do we align those um, moments or activities exactly? So I guess we'll have to we'll have to think about real time. How do we record that? How do we overlay that? And, and these are these are problems. I think technical, well, technical issues that have to be overcome, and so the, it, it, you're right. There's there's other industries outside of sport that are that are identifying this and talking about standards. Whereas in sport, it's it's sort of interesting, and I see this this uh, trend by suppliers to say, well, we want to lock people into our ecosystem and therefore we're providing the whole you don't need any other things but then you can't align it with other things that might you you have been using or are using and can't bring the data together so i guess we're we're at that point where we're 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 data rich but uh knowledge poor sort of Mm. yeah very very interesting i think that's um that's certainly a good point around the lack of uh, industry standards, everything's siloed. Obviously, um, the incentives for vendors are to have um, everyone on their own platform and to the exclusion of others. So it will be interesting to see how that progresses, Where whether it is that GPS um, uh, tracking companies and, and traditional wearable companies go see uh, video as a threat um, and either then through acquisition build up that as an offering or if they go for more traditional partnerships where it's something that they actually partner with companies that are, that are coming through. And I mean, that, that's hopefully something that we will see some acquisitions because that would be great for the, the small sports tech companies to have that opportunity to um, kind of exit, grow, all that kind of stuff, consolidation of the market um, and a little bit more VC activity around this. So that being said, kind of moving on to the second part of the question, which is basically, what does that trend mean for um, consumers and more of the, as you said, the quantified self? 
is that something that is going to be uh, the expectation in, in the same way that I can track um, everything I do with my wearable um, that I will be able to set up my uh, iPhone or Android, Android for, for those out there, but my smartphone camera uh, and understand how I'm performing. Yeah, so de definitely, I, I think that's that's where where we want to head, and that's what we want to see. But um, you, you made Thomas, you made a good point um, just a minute ago about um, this locking people into platform and uh, platforms, and I think it's more uh, relevant for the consumer end, well, as relevant for the consumer end as as for the elite end, because just. Just think about it. We, we, we have a number of devices now, and you just named two uh, platform systems, Android and, and obviously the Apple iOS. Um, and when you have a new device, be it a, a Bluetooth-enabled scale or be it another wrist-worn device or uh, a smart uh, dumbbell or whatever it is, all of these things come with their own uh, software to record the data. All of those systems require you to set up a, a new user account. All of these systems are really limited in terms of how they actually um, distribute the data. Some you actually can't get it out. So I always jokingly say that, that we're, we're looking at, an, at, a, at a market structure at the moment where let's say I'm with T-Mobile and you're with Verizon and we can't call each other because we are not uh, on the same platform, so to say. How stupid would be would that be? So just to just to illustrate that, I mean, that's I think um, if you if you look at devices and, and um, you, you take your smartphone, why don't all these hardware devices show up as an input in whatever app that you're using? Yeah, and I understand that the business models of selling subscriptions and basically using the hardware just as an entry point to actually sell software services is currently a, a really good trend. This this SaaS model, but maybe we have to think a little bit further and and really think about that that just providing the data. I don't think is a is a is a data model. The smarts behind it and providing the analytics. That's the thing. So what if I get the data and I decide as the consumer where I put it, whether I put it into my Strava app or whether I put it into my health app on my phone or into a, into a running app from my favorite sports apparel company or whoever, yeah? And I use that as the basis. And then I go and actually subscribe to data analytics services, yeah? So to someone who has a deep understanding of how to crunch the data, because that's really what I want. I, I, I want the actionable outcomes out of that. And I think that's the next step of service analytics that we can sell rather than saying we use the platform to lock you into our ecosystem. End of story. And it so, comes, back, comes back to your point around how the as computer vision gets better, as uh, Markless video, the technology is improving and it's it's still not in its uh, maturity, it still needs that support uh, potentially by GPS or other, other inputs. So especially for the consumer, if they're using some sort of um, video analytics um, 
app service, uh, they want to maybe match that with their other other apps or other inputs, um, maybe from wearables, what, whatever that is. If it's something around, say, form, or they have uh, something about that they want to understand what their heart rate is. Their their uh, weightlifting is a, is a classic example for mm. computer vision because it's it's a con- nice little confined box. You can mark joints. There is an ex- fairly accepted way of doing a squat, you know, so you can yeah. very quickly say that's bad form, that's good form, you need to straighten X, Y, Z. But if it's just a video analytics platform and it goes, hey, you were um, looking fantastic, great form, but then your wearable says, well, uh, you were exerting you know, 70%, 100%, 110%, you were, mm. you know, your heart rate was here, there and everywhere. Uh, as you said, it's, it's not marrying together all those data points and giving you a, a holistic view. And I think as consumers get more um, well-versed, the quantified self, uh, that is a trend's not going away. It's just the expectations of what consumers have access to and uh, are delivered will just increase. Yeah, and, and just translate that back to our current situation. So one of the trends that we've obviously seen with, let's say, gyms uh, closed down uh, temporarily at the moment uh, is that over over the uh yeah video um exercising or or personal trainer sessions have increased so this could be from a consumer perspective a good um a good application where i'm exercising in front of uh, uh my my webcam or my my smartphone i record that and at the other end the personal trainer will actually see that and a video analytics software will actually outline and say hang hang on do this do that um change this uh, and, and things like that so there there is already consumer application if we if we think about that and we can take that even one f- uh, one step further because um sort of like just just imagine that these kind of um, trends or analytics could be done automatically by uh, by an algorithm then you could subscribe to a coaching a virtual coaching service that will do all of that whether whether we want that actually it remains to be seen because I, I guess that that human interaction is also valuable of someone telling you hey do this and and i've seen this and 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 it's not only about keep this straight do this do that the other it's it's also about encouragement and other things so there's this human ed- yeah, interaction customized yeah. program and there's there's one uh, i mean val performance a company out of uh, brisbane queensland that you know quite well and i'll give the shout out mm. to to those guys, we had one of their co-founders on the uh, show a few weeks ago, so I'll link to that. But they've released um, Telehab, which is a uh, free online exercise prescription platform. So exactly this is that uh, primarily targeted at um, healthcare professionals, allied health professionals, so physiotherapists um, and the like, and strength and conditioning trainers. If you're looking at the uh, more the elite side, uh, but they can then prescribe exercises for their clients. Um, and then get feedback and it's and it's all run through the phone or through a tablet so yeah, yeah there's interesting correct. things that that's that's a that's a pit that's a pivot and that's a that's a um that's also a trend that's already been happening and i think it's one of those things that it's probably going to just accelerate with the uh covid19 shutdown 
Yeah, and, and look, and that raises another interesting question. Is it actually that sports companies will pivot or sports tech companies will pivot into allied health, fitness, wellness, and then, and then health? Or is it that technologies out of health will actually come downstream, so to say, or into into the sports area? So this is going to be interesting to, to observe over the next couple of years. But just going back to, I mean, sport, we always think, yes, sport is, obviously, it's, it's, it's a cool, play, uh, cool sector or area to work in. But um, I, I see sport more as a validation space because it's, it's uh, relatively unregulated in terms of, um, let's say, uh, regulatory approvals and things like that. If you, if you keep away from, let's say, a medical device and things like that. So it, it has somewhat low barrier of entry, but it's at the cutting edge of human performance. So... From that perspective, I always say sport is a great place to validate and trial out things. And if we think about this further, so sport, and in particular in the consumer quantified self space, sport and recreation could function at this as this validation space for the Internet of Things and how people actually network with objects, sensors and services and how all of that gets together. And if we find a way that people actually start thinking about their data, what they want to share with their provider, what they want to keep internally. I think there's got to be incentives to actually share your data. And one of the incentives could be that you get analytics back that help you improve. And whether you pay for that or you pay with your data or whatever you do, but these are these are just some of the things that I, I, I think down the road we'll, we'll see being explored. Yeah, and certainly to your point that sports is a validation space, especially in the performance side, is uh, brutal and instantaneous feedback is how I describe it. Because if your product is not helping a team um, succeed and it's fairly obvious that it's not doing that, uh, it's all about it's all about winning uh, or you know getting on the podium, whatever your sport is, uh, then you will be told fairly quickly that it is not. Or people just won't won't use your product. Um, so mm. in terms of that side, then then definitely uh, validation space. And interesting to lead on to that around IoT, Internet of Things, which is obviously connected devices. Uh, again, maybe it's because I'm staring at this this great gold bear stadium behind you. Uh, but a stadium is a, is a bit of a microcosm um, for use cases. Uh, uh, a little kind of nice little sandpit for IoT use cases. Uh, yeah. In terms of the Fan experience, you think about someone, uh, we talked to uh, Christian Lau from um, LAFC uh, about this, but the point that someone leaves their house, goes to a stadium and then arrives back home, the kind of interaction and journey that they have. So things that can be used um, for smart parking, for instance. So they're trying to get a park at the stadium and and you can have uh, devices. I mean, a, a very simple application is devices that tell you where a parking space is. So just sensors that say, yes, a car's here, no, a car's not here, and directs you that way. Things around once you're in the stadium, uh, where do you sit? Directing there saying, where are, where are cues in, for the bathrooms? Where, where, are, you know, where can I get a beer? All that kind of stuff. Ordering in your seat. All those things that can be leveraged from connected devices. Um, and in the post-COVID-19 world, health and safety. So things around, uh, I've seen some solutions looking at uh, measuring people's temperature uh, yeah. in, a, in a stadium. So using 
biometric data to understand uh, the health of someone, um, tracking apps to know well if someone's been exposed, all that kind of stuff. So I think that, as you said, sports is a very, uh, very attractive area to trial those technologies. Yeah, and and that that's interesting. And I'm just about um, I'm working on with with colleagues out of Europe uh, at the moment of um, sort of like looking at the reach of of sports technology into the future and into other areas. And and you're right, the smart stadium is effectively a subset of let's say the smart city. So effectively, we can trial, we can we can implement certain things in in the in the smart stadium. And then see if they work, if if there's uptake uh, amongst the patrons in the stadium and, and what it will actually do in terms of return on investment from that perspective. And, and you mentioned earlier, obviously, high-speed Wi-Fi or whether it's 5G or whatever infrastructure, all of that is required to actually enable these kind of things. And at the moment, I, I think... Stadiums or well, clubs are probably looking more so f- uh, at this tech space as a way to attract more sponsors and have a a um, let let's say another revenue stream in terms of getting sponsorship dollars into the club or into the stadium. Whereas I I think we're, we're going to look at this as an as an infrastructure in the future like plumbing like the electricity and and all of those type of things and yes of course you can you can uh get support from from suppliers and things like that but it's not going to be just based the purchase decision on who's going to uh, who's going to sign the biggest uh um sponsorship deal it's also going to be looking at technical capability and and once we see that then you'll you'll see quickly people experimenting with things and and putting things in place and we'll we'll probably see some things come and go um because because again i mean i also don't want to want to see a situation where um and and at ces i just listened to what some of the nfl stadium operators uh, are saying they can do and can monitor there's a lot they do but we also don't want to be in in sort of like a constant surveillance uh, um, mm. situation where every step is moved and uh, is, is monitored. And I don't know that that happens. I probably have an idea, but I don't have an idea to the extent. So again, it, I, I come back to there's got to be incentives that people got to come up with for me to opt in and and use that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's from the it's from the user point of view. It's thinking mm. not not just what can the technology do, but what can the technology do, and what would the consumer actually consent to and and want to be a participant in. Yeah, interesting yeah. stuff. So, I mean, to to round that out, um, second last question is: What would you like to see in the industry? What trend would you like to emerge? What and I mean, you can take that in terms of a of a post COVID nineteen world or. Or more generally, what's something that you would like to see uh, emerge? Well, look, I I think I think one of the one of the biggest challenges for 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 the industry is is definitely um, how do we how do we share the data? How do we how do we actually derive 
meaningful action out of all of the things that we uh, record or, or sports scientists in an elite team record or the consumer records about their activity. What are we doing with that? It's not about data for data's sake. And that, that's why I understand some of the coaches that, that actually then say, well, it's good that you, that you record all of that, but what does it tell me? What, what is the actionable item? So we got to come to an understanding of um, where is where's the value in that? And um, so that's, that's, I think, one of the things that, that I'm going to look out for, who's, who's going who's gonna to crack that or who's going to describe that in the best way. And I think it only goes about sharing information. So, I mean, at, at um, one of the uh, Sports Tech World Series conferences, I, I learned about that, that certain clubs um, are actually sharing certain set of data because another club might have actually um, resolved a an issue of interpreting or analyzing a set of data points so why do we have to do over and over and over again what somebody has already done because the real value sits in what you do with that information how do you actually derive action out of that and and that might be different depending on your staff and and what you do and the decisions people and that's really where the competitive advantage sits in making decisions out of that it's not the 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 competitive advantage in my point of from my point of view is not in deriving or measuring the data it's in that what what do you do with that hmm. so i think the, that's uh, that's probably well, one of the things yeah. that i'm going to look out for i mean that's that's very true of the information technology age is we're not short of information that's that's out yeah. there and, and our ability to access it but what differentiates it is uh, the ability to synthesize that information and then take decisive action based on it. So uh, that's certainly a very good point and something that was um, reflected in what some of our high performance experts were saying in last week's episode, uh, understanding mm. what, what to measure, uh, why you're measuring it, how much information you then pass on to the athlete and the coach for them to be able to, to actually do something with it. So mm. very interesting mm. there. And final question before I let you go. What is your favorite sporting moment of all time? My favorite sporting moment of all times. When my daughter scored three goals in one soccer game. That's awesome. That's great. That's that's really good. What 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 age was that? Uh, she was fifteen at the time. Fourteen or fifteen. Yep. Yeah. Nice one. So to see a young budding Sam Kerr. Well, I don't know that, but uh, she certainly, certainly enjoys it. Yeah, fantastic. So, hat-trick. All right. Well, we usually we put footage of it because a lot of people will pick professional um, sports that we have footage of, but I'm not sure if we've got home, home movies of her kicking the goals, but um, no, that's certainly one there. That's, that's, that's great and very, uh, very refreshing to hear. So, thank you so much for your time, Martin. I uh, really appreciate that chat. We, we covered a lot of ground. Um, always good to have these... Uh, kind of future facing conversations especially uh, times like this when so much is changing uh, but it's it's some important topics to think about all right great great to be with you and thanks thanks for your time there you have it that was dr martin schlegel really interesting chat uh really enjoyed how kind of 
weaving together the course of sports technology and, and applying that to some of the consumer trends that we're seeing as well uh, with the flow down of, of wearables uh, coming from elite performance and then the same kind of trajectory for video analytics flowing from elite performance uh, both within sports and obviously within the military and flowing that down to your average mass market consumer. As I said, I'll include some of the links to those other episodes that would be worthwhile taking a look into. I mean, the Christian Lau ones, something that I think uh, kind of hits nail on the head and they're, they're pretty advanced at what they're doing at LAFC and Bank of California Stadium, uh, especially around the Internet of Things connected device space. So definitely check that one out. As I mentioned at the beginning, we've got some great episodes coming up uh, with the NFL, Microsoft, Betworks, uh, XFL. So stay tuned. Uh, check out that newsletter at sportstechworldseries.com forward slash newsletter. Sign up. Let me know any of your feedback. Uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn, Thomas Alomes, A-L-O-M-E-S. Uh, also reach out, Thomas at Sports Tech World Series. Love to hear from you. And until next week, you've been listening to Sports Tech Feed. Sports Tech Feed.